0: Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. And we've been talking for the last several weeks about this message called the greatest commandment. Amen. How many of you are blessed every time we open the Word of God? Amen. The Lord always has something to say. Amen. And so, uh, I'm always encouraged by what the Lord is saying. And, and I pray, church, that, you know, uh, we love the Lord. Amen. How many of you love Jesus? Amen. 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 Uh, I'll, I'll ask the ladies. How many of you ladies love Jesus? Tell, Amen. How many of you men love Jesus? Amen. amen. And I want to hear a hearty amen because, you see, it's not an over, you know, uh, you, you don't have to put down your man card to be in love with Jesus. Does that make sense? You can still love Jesus, amen? He is the lover of your soul. We are the the bridegroom of Christ, amen? We should be falling more and more in love with Jesus, choosing to love Jesus more and more every single day because he loves us endlessly and unconditionally, amen? He loves us so powerfully, church, and I believe it's that, that perfect love of God. It's that, that powerful, treasured love of God that, that keeps us, you know, it reminds us, it recalibrates our hearts. When, when you encounter the love of God, it's that very thing that, that sets your heart back in focus with the one who loves your soul. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Amen? And so I pray, church, through our, our obedience to his word we would continue to grow in love with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Not falling out of love. I use that adage and that analogy all the time, but, you know, some of us act like we're an old married couple. And there's that terminology that when you get older in marriage, you know, you, you kind of just become more of acquaintances with one another. You become more just kind of like, buddies because that flame that once initially that fiery love that you once initially had when you you know became you know uh, partners with that person when you became a covenant with that person over time sometimes that flame dies out and the word of God actually teaches us church that it should be the opposite with our relationship with the Lord that flame should continue to grow until you see him That flame of the love of God that is in your heart, it should be imprinted more and more. And you should grow in your knowledge of God. You should grow in in who you know him to be. And because you know him better over time, you love him more. Amen. Amen. You love him more because you know him better and you know him more. There's things that I can say that I know about my wife that I love more about her now after 16 years of marriage than than I could say that I loved when we first got married. Amen? Because that's what happens. You grow in more and more deeper in love with that individual. Amen? So God is calling us to keep the love that we've had for him and not to lose it like the church of Ephesus did in the book of Revelation. The Bible says that they lost their first love. And do you want to know why they lost their first love? They lost their first love because they were busy and they became distracted. They were all about doing good things. They were all about, you know, working and serving and and they kept their hands busy for God. But the thing is, in their busyness, they fell out of love with the Lord. And this whole series, this whole teaching, I pray that we, we understand this is that we should be growing more in love with God. You see, if you're not loving him more day to day, I don't know if you're, you know, you know, you could be backsliding in your heart. Every single day we should be inching closer to the Lord. Not only in our heart, in our soul, in our mind, but in our love for him. Tonight I want to just talk to you about loving the Lord with all of our mind. Amen? Amen. This is the third part. uh, That verse, Mark, Mark chapter 12 Verse 30 says that we are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, read it with me church, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and then with what? With all of our strength. And so as we look at the word of God tonight, we are to love the Lord with all of our mind. How many of you know that Jesus wants every part of your life, including your mind? Amen. Amen. Jesus wants every part of your being, including your mind. It was once said that we should harbor no thought in our mind that God does not have about us. Think about that. We should not allow anything to creep into our mind that God does not think about us. Amen. Your mind, church, is powerful. Your mind is important to God, and in order to fulfill God's will and plan for your life, He must be Lord of our mind also. He must be Lord and inhabit every area of your mind. And the only way we can love God with all of our mind is to first be transformed with a renewed mind. You cannot love God with your mind unless your mind has been renewed. Amen. In the same way that you've been born again, in the same way that you, 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 you died and were born again, in the spirit, our mind needs to be renewed. And so Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 teaches us about this and it shows us in the word of God it says in verse two do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good his pleasing and perfect will So what is it talking about? What is the pattern of this world? It's actually talking about the thought life and the patterns of your thoughts. The pattern of your thinking. The pattern of the mindset. Pastor uses that phrase a lot. He says, your attitude determines your altitude. And there's something that's very true about that. Amen. If you think the way that God thinks, I can guarantee, church, that we will make a lot less mistakes in this life. We will be directed. We will, you know, trust more. We will do everything more. But if we still think the way that we thought before we knew Jesus, then we are setting ourselves up for a losing battle. If you have come to Christ and you have surrendered your heart to God, but not your mind, my friend, you're missing a huge part of the battle. Because did you know that the enemy's battlefield, number one battlefield, is not necessarily in your physical being or in your physical body, but in your mind. Every single day that you, you know, had given your heart to Jesus, the first thing that the enemy wanted to do was get in your mind, wedge his way inside of your mind to disturb your thinking, to cause you to think differently, to cause you to think, you know, know, in in conjunction with the ways of the world and not with the ways of God. And so a a renewed mind, it results from diligently pursuing the knowledge of who God is. It comes about by pursuing who God is and not pursuing to have knowledge like God possesses. There's a difference. Not to have knowledge like God possesses, but to pursue the knowledge of who God is. You see, this is what got man into trouble since the beginning of time. This is what got us into big trouble in sin because it was being deceived in the mind to possess something that God had not given to us. Let's read about it. God had said, you know, uh, in his instructions to Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis, he said, you can eat from any tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You see, God had permitted them to, to have all the fruit that they wanted. You got the whole garden, Adam. You got the whole garden Eve. eat. But listen, there's one thing that I am forbidding you to touch, and that is to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Genesis 2.17 says, For if you eat from it, you will surely die. How many of you know when God says that you'll surely die if you eat something, it's probably a good idea to stay away from it? It's probably a good plan to say, you know what, this is not something that we should pursue. This is not something that we should do. But the enemy then counters, in Genesis chapter 3, he speaks to Eve and he says, but did God say, see how crafty the enemy is? He's causing Eve to think about something. And recall something that God said. But did God really say, Eve? Did God say, you must not eat from the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden and that you must not touch it or you will die? Here's the deception verse four, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. The enemy is attacking her thoughts. He's attacking her memory. He's attacking what she recalls of what God said. How many of you remember that there were actually two trees in the middle of the garden? How many of you knew that? There was two trees in the middle of the garden. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so the mind became corrupt, church, the moment that the fruit was taken. The Bible says that all of a sudden... After they had partaken of the fruit, what did they notice about themselves? That they were naked and unclothed. You see, they didn't, re- they didn't, they didn't see themselves that way before. They didn't have any perception that, that their nakedness was, was some kind of thing to be shameful about or to hide. You see, all of a sudden something shifted in their mind. Something was transformed in their mind in that moment and everything that the mind was designed for, it underwent a cosmic shift in the wrong direction. You see, there's always two choices. There's what God says and there's what the enemy feeds us lies about. There's always a tree of life, amen? And what does the Bible say in the book of Deuteronomy? It says choose life, amen, that you may have life and that you may live Choose blessings and not curses, amen. The Lord has always given us this option, but instead they chose the wrong thing. And Romans 1 and 28 talks more about this. It talks about the depravity of the mind that happened, that shifted when we fell into sin. It says, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, that's what God said, And that is actually referring to the understanding or familiarity of what God is speaking. And it's also based on the knowledge that's primarily related to experience and relationship. This is what this word is talking about. It says God gave them over to a depraved mind so that that they do what ought not to be done. In other words, Eve valued knowledge more than her relationship with God. She valued attaining something that she was not supposed to have more than her relationship that God had given her. In that moment, she made a choice to say, you know what? I want something that he has forbidden to give me instead of me having him. And that's a lot like you and I. Amen? A lot of times we choose all kinds of things. For some of us, we'd we'd rather be more impressing to people with what we know of God rather than impressing God with how much he knows us. There's a lot of things that we get, you know, misconstrued in our life, a lot of things that we get backwards in our life. Because the ultimate deception the enemy could pull on God's people, on you and I, is them thinking that they'll inherit eternal life by what we do and how they'll be known instead of who they are known by. The scripture teaches us very clearly in the book of Matthew. Jesus said, they claimed to, they, they, they shouted out to him and they said, But Lord, we cast out demons in your name. Lord, we did this in your name. Lord, we did that in your name. And what is the Lord's response to those who did all of these things? He said, but depart from me. I never knew you. There was no relationship between you and I. You just had all kinds of thinking and understanding about me, but you never knew me. You never sat down with me. You never took time to fellowship with me. You never took time to worship me. You just learned a lot of facts about me and you had a lot of head knowledge that impressed a lot of people. But here's the deal. You thought that you, by doing all of these things, they were impressive to people around you. But what impressed me most and impresses God the most is those who willingly sit at his feet. Those who choose to value relationship more than anything else. That's what the Lord is looking for, church. The Bible says of the mind several things. And first off, the same God who restores our soul is the very same God that transforms our hearts. Amen? Amen? And is the very same God who is able to renew your mind. It's all him. Amen? He is the one that has the ability to do so. Timothy Jennings said this, the battlefield on which the war between Christ and Satan is fought in the mind. And I need to say this because I think it's important. This is probably the biggest war zone that you and I engage with towards the enemy from. Because what does the Bible say in the book of Ephesians? It's not the battles that we face. Is not what? Flesh and blood. Amen? But it's what? Spirits and principalities of darkness. It's a completely different realm that the enemy attacks us from and wants to, you know, you know oppress us from is from the mind. And so the Lord has given us keys from his word to see our minds be renewed from the world's way of thinking, which is perversion and evil and deceit and greed and lust and all these different kinds of things and become into that place where we have the renewed mind of our creator and in the image of our creator. So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 says this, I tell you this and I insist on it in the Lord. That you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. I'll read it one more time. He said, I insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Romans 1 and 21 says this. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. So what is the scripture telling us? That word futile means having no result or effect. It means useless. Paul was, was coined by saying this. He said, the grace which God had given me was not without effect meaning he knew that he didn't earn his salvation and that his salvation came from God and that God alone was his savior, amen? But he said because he knew him as savior, it had an effect upon his life. He didn't remain the same, amen? How many of you know somebody that's been transformed by Jesus, amen? I pray it's you. I pray that you're not the same person as you were you know, 20 years ago or 10 years ago or 10 minutes ago having known Jesus. Because when Jesus is Lord of your life and he is Lord of your mind, everything changes. Everything changes. And so the scripture was saying, don't live your life with Jesus in a way that doesn't affect all of your life. Don't live your life in such a way that you, know, you, you are still in this futility of thinking. That you're still thinking in a way that you, know, you were before you knew Jesus. He's urging them, he says, although they knew God, they neither glorified him. They neither glorified him nor gave thanks to him. Think about that. Right now, we just had a beautiful time of worship. And listen, nobody's going to force you to worship Jesus. We're going to encourage you the best that we can. I promise you, it is completely your decision We can play a million songs or two songs or no songs or no music at all. It is your choice to worship him. And you have to do what the scripture is saying to make the decision to say, you know what? Because I know God, says although they knew him, they didn't glorify him. But because you know him, you should glorify him, yes? Because I know him, I have to give thanks because I know what it is that he's paid for me. I know what it is that he's done for me. It changes everything when I I think of the goodness of God, where I know from where he has brought me to. Everything changes in that moment. All of a sudden, there's a praise that begins to rise up from my life because I know that I'm not worthy. I know that I'm not deserving. But yet God loved me, and God chose to give his life for me. And because of that, I will glorify his name. I will honor him and I will give him praise. But guess what? There was a people that knew him that didn't glorify him. And I pray that's not you. I pray that is not me in these days, in this hour that we are living in. I pray that your heart is still open and sensitive to what the Lord is doing in your life. Lest we become bloated in our spirit and gluttonous in our belief that we're so full of God you know there's that saying that says that you're so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good did you know that we will never be able to offer the Lord a sacrifice of praise when we get to heaven that's for here and that's for now And I don't care if you walked into this place discouraged. I don't care if you got issues going on in your life. I don't care if you walked in heavy laden or burdened. He is still worthy of all the glory, church. He is still worthy of all the glory. And it's like I said in the beginning, we have to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. Say, I don't, I don't care how I'm feeling. I, you know, I've been up since three in the morning. I could say, I'm too tired to worship Jesus today. No, he's always worthy all the time. Amen? How many of you believe that? Amen. The scripture is saying, don't live your walk with Jesus in a way that doesn't affect all of your life. Don't live in such a way that you don't glorify him in what you do and what you say. Don't live in such a way that gives no credit or thanks to him. And this pattern begins in your mind. This pattern begins in your mind. John Milton said this, the mind is its own place and in itself can make heaven of hell and a hell of heaven. Wow. How many of you have ever, you know, been blessed by God? You know, God did something amazing in your life and all of a sudden the devil does something and it's like God did nothing at all. I know you've gone through that battle too. I'm not the only one. The Lord did something so powerful. He, you saw the God do something, and all of a sudden the enemy plants this little seed within your mind to try to rob you of your joy and rob you of, of missing out on what it is that God has said and done, and all of a sudden he tries to bring you into a place of discouragement, despair, and ultimately disconnection from God. And where does it begin? In the mind. And I pray, church, unless we allow our minds to be on the potter's wheel, and we refuse to allow the strongholds of the mind, generational curses of thinking remain the same in our life, then we will remain subject to always succumbing to what our mind thinks is best. You will still stay in a generational curse in your thinking if you are not renewed by the Lord. Everybody say, my mind needs to be renewed by Jesus quickly a few things and keys to a renewed mind. Number one is this, meditate on God's word. Meditate on God's word. Everybody say it with me, say meditate on God's word. Joshua 1 and 8 says this, keep this book of the law always on your lips. What is he saying? He's saying other conversations aren't important. You see, if you've got this book of the law on your lips, you don't have time to talk about anybody else or their issues because you're talking about Jesus. Amen. He says, meditate on it day and night. When is day and night? Every day. Every day has a day. Every day has a night. Amen. He says, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And so here the scripture was telling the young leader Joshua to meditate on what God had said over and over throughout the day and throughout the night. This was everything from the promises of God to the punishment that God would, would pour out upon his enemies. The Lord wanted him to understand that it was all important. Everything that the word of God contains is important and it needs to be rehearsed in your mind. I can tell you something as a musician, one of the things that, you know, God, I believe, instills in musicians is the ability to remember and recall a lot of things. And ever since I've, you know, grown up and been a musician, I've just kind of had this ability to remember things, you know, remember parts of a song or, or a rhythm, a beat or whatever. And, and because of that, it's, it's enabled me to remember and recount and recall scripture even better. Now, maybe that memorization is not your strong suit. But here, if it's not your strong suit, then we must do what the Lord is saying. We must recall it day and night. We must meditate on it day and night. Just because I can remember a verse that I read years ago doesn't mean that I shouldn't be in the word of God every day. Amen. 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 We are to meditate on it day and night. Now, when we think of meditation, a lot of times we think of meditation like yoga. We think of it like in Eastern practices, like some monk, you know, sitting in front of a fire going, "Mm." hmm. That's not the meditation that the Lord is talking about. That was funny. Y'all should have laughed. (laughs) That's not the meditation that the Lord is actually looking at from us. These practices actually teach the individuals that practice them to open their mind. Those kind of practices, the Eastern cultures teach them to open their mind, but this is a very, very dangerous trap because the enemy will always seek to inhabit what is inhabited. The enemy will always seek to go into that place where there is a vacancy. He will always try to creep through the window of your mind and in your heart when the word of God is not present. Matthew 12 and 43 proves this. It says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house that I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied. There's nothing there. Lights on, but nobody's home. Swept and clean and put in order. Then it goes and it takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and they live there, and the final condition of the person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. What is he saying? The scripture is teaching us to not empty our mind in a form of meditation, but rather fill our mind with the word of God. Amen. This is the kind of meditation that the Lord is looking for. Psalms chapter 1 and verse 2 says this, But whose delight is in the law of the Lord... And who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Which yields its fruit in season. And whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Whatever they do prospers. Because their mind is set on the things of God. Their mind is set on the word of God. Their mind is set to recount what it is that God has said. And what it is that God has done. Our mind is renewed when it's filled with what God is saying and what God has said. And it's not deceived by the question of the enemy saying, did God really say? Most believers get tripped up with that because they don't know what God has said. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, I didn't give it to the guys tonight, but Hosea 4 and 6 says this. It teaches us, it says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They are destroyed in their heart, they are destroyed in their life, they are destroyed in their thinking because they don't know what it is that God has said. Can I tell you, church, if you can memorize statistics from a football game, if you can memorize, you know, your favorite lyrics of your song, if you can memorize what your favorite TV channel is is on, you certainly can memorize the word of God. Amen. 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 No excuses. We got to go back to children's church. You know what they do in children's church? They got a memory verse every week. I just start giving you guys memory verses. Yes? Amen. Mark 12:30. Go. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Memorize it. Why? Because in the hour of need, you can only grasp from what you put in. You cannot make a deposit from the word of God if you have not put it in your heart and in your spirit. If you do not know that it's there. If you do not know the promise that God has given you concerning any situation in your life. You will live defeated if you do not have the weapon of warfare, which is the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, buried deep in your heart and in your mind. Number two is this. Set your mind on the Spirit of God. Set your mind on the Spirit of God. Romans 8 and verse 5 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what? On what the flesh desires. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mind set on what the spirit desires. Verse 6. The mind that is governed by the flesh is death. Remember that death word? in, the, in the, it, We have the tree of life and then we have the tree of what? Of the knowledge of good and evil. But the mind governed by the spirit is what? It's life, and it's peace. I've explained this before, but the word repentance actually means to return to a higher way of thinking. That's what repentance means. Sometimes we think it's, you know, just being sorrowful for our sins. Yes, that is part of it. But the actual action behind repentance is to return to a higher way of thinking. When you came to Christ, there needed to be repentance of your sins, yes? We understood who we were before Jesus. We were unrighteous and we needed his blood to make payment for our sins, amen, so that we could be made righteous before God. And there needed to be sorrow and understanding for our sin nature and our unrighteousness before God. Because there is also a decision, you know, in, in those moments to change from our ways and to turn to his ways, amen, to turn to His Holy Spirit for transformation. This happens when we change the way that we think. The Word explains it. if we set our mind on what the Spirit desires, it leads us to life and it leads us to peace. But if our mind stays stuck in the flesh, then it ultimately leads to death and the disturbance of our peace. Nowadays that we live in, one of the biggest attacks from the enemy is, is launched against the mind through oppression, anxiety, you know, sleeplessness, all of these things. We see that this is this huge and prevalent attack. It's more known today than it probably was 20, 30 years ago. You know, I remember when I got saved, there was other things that the enemy was kind of, you know, sticking to and he was attacking people from. But nowadays, it's, 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 pastor, I need prayer because I'm having suicidal thoughts. Pastor, I need prayer because I'm anxious. I get overwhelmed. Pastor, I need prayer. And these are all issues that stem from the mind. They're all issues that are rooted from the place of the mind. And so how many of you know that we have a prince of peace that we can turn to, amen? That when our mind is being bombarded by all the the lies of the enemy, there is one who is able to bring peace to that mind, and his name is Jesus. Amen. Amen. Jesus showed us what a life that pleases the Spirit looks like. It means that you are about the Father's business. Amen. Amen. It means that you know he wasn't just here to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This was pleasing the Father. He was committed to carrying his cross. He was committed, you know, to be compassionate on those around him. He was obedient to the Father's plan. This is what pleased his Father. Jesus showed us exactly what it needs to be. And I need to remind us tonight, this this is exactly what the Lord is calling us to as well. And from our mind, he's asking us to set our mind on what the spirit desires and not on what our flesh wants. Our flesh is very pushy, and our flesh likes to get its way. Amen? Our flesh likes to keep us captive to our thoughts likes to keep us angry at our neighbor, likes to keep us you know, upset about the tiniest things. It likes to take over in such a way and the enemy jumps on that so much to keep us captive. I believe the Lord wants to set somebody free from succumbing to their flesh over and over again. From anger, from negative thoughts, from poor attitudes, to all these kinds of things. The Lord wants to set your mind free. Amen. Amen. Psalms 37 and verse 4 says this. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Our delight, listen to me carefully, must be in what the Holy Spirit desires. Your delight, that is your, your drive, your passion. It's what you are, are all about. It must be what the Holy Spirit desires and our seeking must be for his kingdom first. Our seeking must be to his kingdom first. We get too distracted And there's too many things that the enemy has has brought into our lives to, to pull us every which way but to Jesus. He wants to keep us distracted, but the Lord is teaching us in his word to take delight in him. To seek him first. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. That's the needs, the provision, the cares of life. All these things, they'll all be given to you. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I pray that there's nobody that is, that is delighting in the things that are second in nature to the kingdom of God. Because Jesus is always better. The thing that you long for, stop striving to attain it by your own measure and your own effort. And simply take delight in the Lord. Most often I can tell you that the blessings and the things that seasons of the Lord transitioned me into. The things that, you know, I wanted. I, I did desire. You know, it's not to say I didn't desire things. We all desire things. Amen. But they came quickly when I wasn't thinking about them and I was just thinking about Jesus. It's like all of a sudden the Lord just turned the page. He turned the chapter of of the things that I wanted so much when I stopped thinking about them. And I just started thinking about him. And some of you want something so bad that you would do anything. You would be like David. David. David had that urge to go after Bathsheba. And what did that urge do? It caused him to kill a man. It caused him to, to do something that he would have never done, but what did he do? He answered his flesh instead of just delighting himself in what God had already given him. Delighting himself in who the Lord was for his life. Our delight must be in what the Lord desires because when everything else and all the distractions of the world and all the disappointments of the enemy and anything that the devil would use to try to disconnect our mind from pleasing God, I pray that our minds are focused on pleasing the Holy Spirit. Set your mind on him. Thirdly, think of what pleases God. Think of what pleases God. Philippians chapter four verse eight says. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lonely, what uh, lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what does it say? Think about such things. Think about those things. Don't think about the worries. Don't think about the wars. Don't think about, you know, the distractions. Don't think about anything else. Think about all of these things. And you know what? When I was reading this verse earlier, I was like, you know, thinking of things that were lovely. I was like, you know, there's lots of lovely things in the world. I was thinking of things that were admirable. But you know what? I believe what the verse is actually summing up is just a description of the character of Jesus. Amen. All it's pointing back to is Jesus. It's not, you know, think about things that are, that are lovely. Well, you know, my wife's lovely, you know, to me. <laughs> but that's not what he's telling me to think about. Think about things that are admirable. You know, there's things that are admirable, good acts and, and good deeds. But those aren't the things that the Lord is wanting us to focus on. He's actually pointing it all to Jesus. Because isn't he true? Amen. Isn't he admirable? Can I hear an amen? Isn't the Lord noble? Amen. Isn't he right and righteous? Amen. Isn't the Lord lovely? Isn't he to be admired? Isn't he excellent? Isn't he praiseworthy? Amen. He is church. You bet he is. He is all of those things and even more. And he is what keeps our thinking from seeking. He is the very one that we can look to that whenever you think of Jesus, church, Whenever your mind is focused upon him, it changes everything. It changes everything in your life. You know that he is the one who reminds you of who you are in him. I need those reminders. You need those reminders. You need that encouragement from the Holy Spirit. You need those those subtle truths of, of reminding you that, you know what, you're not forsaken. You need those truths to remind you that he has not abandoned you. You need those truths to remind you that though you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Can somebody say amen tonight? You need the reminding of Jesus. You need the reminding of the Lord. You need that comfort that only he can offer you. He is the one who gave you the gifts. He is the one who has blessed your life. He is the one who has strengthened you. He is the one who has saved you. He is the one that takes you from glory to glory. Always Jesus. And he is the only one deserving to inhabit all of our mind. This man said this, To love God intellectually is to become a student of God. A student who really takes an interest in God. But he poses an interesting question. He said, but have you noticed that a fair number of Christians are not particularly interested in God? I've sat down with a lot of people in my day and they want to talk about everything but Jesus sometimes. Want to talk about the dudes, want to talk about the weather, want to talk about their favorite sports team. He said, have you ever noticed that a fair number of Christians are not particularly interested in God he said even some of them are ministers. These are people who don't ask about God. They don't talk about God or maybe don't even think about God unless they really have to. Their interest in God it seems merely professional. Isn't this strange? Shouldn't we be somewhat preoccupied with God? Because isn't that what those in love do? He said they get preoccupied with their beloved, and they notice things about the one that they love. I love having conversations with people about scripture because you see the Lord in everything that He says. You see His righteousness, you see His justice, you see His wisdom, you see His power. And it's so awesome that when you can sit down with a brother or sister, in, in Christ and, and and just go for hours talking about like man you know i read this and, and this is what the lord showed me about himself and 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 he's the conversation amen He's the the, the very one that you're taking delight in. He's the one that has occupied your heart and your mind, not just simply, you know, you read it like it's instructions or like it's some textbook or like it's some chore, but you know that the person of Jesus is written throughout the pages of this book. He's the author and he is the finisher of your faith. My prayer for us, church, is that our minds would be fully consumed with the Lord. And not consumed by anything else. That Jesus would become our topic of conversation. That our minds would be preoccupied with the one that loves us unconditionally. So that without condition we would love him back. Without just wanting outcome from him. Without just wanting him to answer the next prayer that you've got on your list. But just simply loving him or who he is and say God without condition I'll love you back I sat down with a pastor friend of mine this morning and had breakfast and we we're just kind of sharing our, our, our history and testimonies and things and I, you know he asked me just you know about previous seasons of my life and I just told him about, like, the season I had gone through when my dad was dealing with cancer. And I said, you know, (laughs) it was probably one of the hardest things that I've ever had to go through in my heart and in my life. See somebody I love so much, you know, just battle and I couldn't do anything for him but, you know, pray and have faith for him. I said but you know what I wouldn't want God to have changed anything as hard as that is to say to see somebody that you love cross that threshold into eternity that's no longer with you I know God had a plan I knew what God's plan was and a lot of it I say this, you know, maybe selfishly, but a lot of it had to do with just him wanting to do something else in my life. And I pray that, you know, he is so everything to you. You would not miss out on loving him for who he is. That you wouldn't miss out on the privilege that you have to know him and to love him with all of your heart, your soul, and your mind. And the Lord doesn't want us to miss out on loving him deeply if we only love him from our heart and not our mind as well. I wrote this down that real love is not an involuntary thing. But it's something that we do purposefully based on our knowledge of the person that we love. It's something that we willingly Do And the more that we read the scripture, the more that we focus on the word of God, the more that we focus our mind's attention on who God is and what he does, the more we understand just a tiny bit more about him, the more our souls break out in a flame of love for God. And we have a greater desire to honor him. And the more we understand God with our minds, the more we love him from our minds. Pastor R.C. Sproul said this, to love God with our minds is to hold him in high esteem and to think about him with reverence and with adoration. And So if you would tonight just bow your heads in prayer. I just want you to just think about Jesus just for a moment. Just think about everything that he has done for you. Just think about how he has saved your life. The Bible says that we were like a stick that was snatched out of the fire. Just think of how much he loves you by going to Calvary for your sins. For the very things that pained the heart of God. Jesus took the pain for you. And the Lord is wanting us to never lose sight of how precious and how valuable he really is. The Lord so desires that we would look at him with adoration, with reverence, with awe. And that when his name rolls from our lips, when his name flows from our tongue, it wouldn't just be some... Cliche. It wouldn't just be something that we just say, you know, without purpose or we're just, you know, because of routine. But it would actually mean something. The name of Jesus means something to you. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org slash give.